Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True Crime New England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. How's it going, Katie? It's going good. Yeah? It's going okay. It's getting warmer these days. It sure is. That's what's helping me through. Sure. The sun is setting later. I do. I didn't think I would care for that so much this year, but I'm, I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie. It's nice. It is nice. Yeah, I do like that. What have you been listening to? Anything good? You already know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I told you. Yes. But um, a friend of the podcast, Heather. Hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. Um, she texted me a little bit ago and was like, you are going to die. You have mm-hmm. to listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's a six-part series. I'm like, sold. Yep. Easy. <laughs> I'm sold. Done. Send me the link. Uh-huh. It's called Sweet Bobby. I'm sure everyone knows about it by this point. And if you haven't listened to it, Ugh. not to turn you away from True Crime New England. No, no. But it's a six-part series. Mm-hmm. If you need someone to listen to in between our weekly episodes, sure. there you go. While you're waiting for our next episode to come out, oh, binge Sweet Bobby. Oh my god. It's, it is really good. I started listening to it. I've heard a few people recommend it, but I started listening mm-hmm. to it at your request. And I'm damn glad I did. Mm. You were like, Liz, trust me, you're going to binge it. And God, you're right. It was not very long after. Like, two days later, I was like, Katie, that was so good. You were like, you finished it? I was like, hell yeah, I did. I almost forgot. Halfway through the first episode, I was like, this is so dramatic. Like, the twists and the turns. I'm like, there's no way this can be real. There's no way this is true crime. Yeah, sure enough, it's real. Oh, it's real, and it's fucked. So, sometimes with true crime podcasts or true crime shows, you know how in TV shows the true crime, they show, like, the maid in the corner for a little bit too long, and it's like, the maid committed the murder at the end. It's like, no shit, who could have seen that coming? Like, foreshadowing. (laughs) With this series, no point in it ever did I know what was going to come at me next. And I love that. They introduce so many characters right off the top, which Mm -hmm. I think is a genius, Mm -hmm. because then when they reveal who it really was, oh my god. (laughs) If you guys don't know Sweet Bobby, it's like, like you said, a six-part series, and it's about... Um, catfishing, essentially. A mm-hmm. 10-year-long catfishing relationship um, from this woman um, over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, my God, you hear these things and you're like, holy hell. Catfishing is no joke. And it's not like... I know a Netflix series just came out about how women were being catfished for money or something. Yes. But Tinder Swindler, is that yes, what it was? Yeah, exactly. I at first thought that this was going to be financial, but I think because it was so emotionally Mm. manipulative and it really played with this woman's feelings, it was that much worse. Oh my god, she was, she said she lost weight, she lost friends, she lost jobs, all because of this guy. That's much more than financial. Mm -hmm. It's so scary. And the woman that you hear talking is the victim. Right. Like, it's really her. It's not just an actor's portrayal, it's, it's her. Right. Yeah. It's insanity. So. And, like, that could happen to anyone. That's what I'm saying. These days, of course. That's what I'm saying. And so many people that listen to this that I talked to were like, oh, that would never happen to me. I I would never. You don't know until you're Mm -hmm. in it. I Mm -hmm. mean, the circumstances on how the manipulation started, I feel like were believable enough Mm -hmm. that it would have convinced most people. Oh, yeah. That no red flags were really being raised. Uh Uh-huh. It's crazy that this is so common. I mean, this is the age we live in where almost every connection we have is through our phones somehow. Right, right. 
it can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. It really can. And this podcast does such a good job. <sighs> so crazy. It really gets you hooked. Oh, yeah. So if you guys have listened to it and oh. want to talk about it with us, please. Message us. If you are just getting into it and you get to one of the plot twists, mm-hmm. message us. We oh can discuss. God. It's, it's so crazy. Good. Yeah. You'll find yourself listening like back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's a great podcast. Mm-hmm. Definitely. A good recommendation. If if you haven't listened to Sweet Bobby, what have you been doing? Yeah, what else have you been listening to, watching, oh, yeah. etc.? Literally, I was accusing them of being <laughs> under a rock, but I like yours segue better. We'll keep it. Because <laughs> it's true, though, because, like, also, what else? I'm someone who just listens to my favorite murder over and over and over again. I don't know why. And there's this new feature on Apple Podcasts that Ooh. it shows you when you last listened to that episode. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that neat? So I discovered that and I'm like, great. Well, I haven't listened to this since November of 2019. Perfect. So I'm just listening over and over again. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, it's nice. I need new content, guys. <laughs> Something. Please recommend things to me. Because, God, I just can't get out of the cycle. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, so, you know, about podcasts. Today's episode is a very famous case. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of on par with Maura Murray, which, if you guys remember, was our first episode. And to Katie and I's delight, our most listened episode. Yeah. Um, it's very similar in that regard. So we're excited to talk about it. A lot of, co- you know... There's an episode of Disappeared on this case. Mm-hmm. The Murder Squad um, with Billy Jensen and Paul Holes covers it. There's a lot of great resources for you guys to look at um, for this case. And now you can look at ours for the resource as well. Yes. So strap in, guys, because this is another uh, head scratcher. Mm-hmm. And without further ado, today we are going to be discussing the, the disappearance of, of Brianna Maitland. get into it. Katie, could you share your sources, please? Sure. So I've been taking a break. I haven't been using Wikipedia for a while, <laughs> so I'll bring it back and Thanks say God. Wikipedia was a source for this case, yep. as well as dnasolves.com, grunge.com, stories of the unsolved, and international missing persons wiki. Oh, cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, I also, thank God, I felt it was missing from my heart. I also had <laughs> Wikipedia. Um, Stories of the Unsolved was such a good Mm -hmm. article. It was so thorough. Um, I also had grunge.com. I had um, a blog called Kylie's True Crime. Cool. Um, The title of it was like, it's crime o'clock somewhere. It was (laughs) cute. And then um, I watched a video on YouTube by, when I've used him before, his name's Dr. Todd Grande. And he goes through the case and says what he thinks happened. So I I listened to that. It was pretty good. So let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about Brianna Maitland. Brianna Alexandra Maitland was born on October 8th, 1986 in Burlington, Vermont. Her parents raised her and her older brother on a farm in East Franklin, Vermont, which is like pretty close to the border of Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things about Brianna that kind of stood her out from other people is that she was extensively trained in jujitsu, which is pretty cool. That's badass. That's pretty badass. And as women, we need that. You know, like, she was, seems like she was prepared 
in that regard, and I think that's smart. And this mm-hmm. is back in the 2000s, you know, in late yeah. 90s, early 2000s, so good on her. Um, Brianna had started her high school years at Missisquoi Valley Union High School, and she actually ended up transferring to Enosburg Falls High School during her sophomore year. Um, it seemed like she had an okay home life, mm-hmm. um, but even with this, she decided she wanted to move out. She was tired of her parents' farm, and she wanted to live with her friends more than her family. Um, by February of 2004, Brianna had actually moved, like, in and out of a few friends' homes Mm -hmm. before she finally ended up, um, dropping out of high school and moving in with her childhood friend, Jillian Stout, and they lived in Sheldon, Vermont. Um, at the time of her disappearance, Brianna worked two different jobs. She was a dishwasher at the Black Lantern Inn, which was a bed and breakfast in Montgomery, Vermont, and she was also a waitress at KJ's Diner in St. Albans, Vermont. So she was a busy girl. She also had enrolled in a GED program after yeah. she dropped out of high school. So it's like, you know, she has motivation. Yeah. She's getting her life together. Mm-hmm. She just wanted some independence. Which I don't blame her so much. Mm-mm. It's hard being a teenager, you know. And so all of her friends were going to this other school than she was. And so... She wanted to go be with them. I get that. You know, she wanted to have her own house. She wanted to live on her own. I get that. But then she found out the hard way. It doesn't always work like that. Right. And she's 17 at the time. So it's yeah. like, you know, you're not even 18. You're not even really an adult. It's it's difficult. Yeah. It's hard. So, but it, that's to say she was a hardworking girl. She was described as a free spirit. Mm-hmm. So she was, she wasn't a dunce. She was a good person, had a lot of goals and things going for her. So... That was good. She just, you know, like you said, she wanted independence. Everyone described her as being very nice and so friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, One of her classmates actually said that she had no one to sit with at lunch. And Brianna picked up on it and was like, hey, come sit with us. And started a conversation to make her feel included. And they became good friends because Brianna's like, hey, come over and come sit with us. Like, I feel like in a high school setting, especially, that's really rare. Yeah. I would like to think that it wouldn't be rare, but... Could you think back to our high school years? (laughs) Can you think of anyone who would do that? Not real... Maybe a select few. (laughs) I feel like we'd be the ones doing that. Yeah, for sure. And then, like, a select few. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But it's... Yeah. It's it's hard. It's kind of rare to... Yeah. So she was a nice person. It sounds like it. Um... Three weeks before her disappearance, Brianna was actually physically attacked at a party... The girl that attacked her was named Kelly LaCrosse. It wasn't exactly clear about what happened that led up to her being attacked or why she was attacked. Brianna's father later said that he thought it was an act of jealousy because Brianna was talking to a boy at the party. Which is such a stupid thing to punch someone in the face for, but Yeah. yeah, it happens. And this is like... It's crazy to me because one of Brianna's friends actually was backing her up and was telling people, you know... Brianna is trained in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Extensively trained <laughs> in jiu-jitsu. Uh-huh. She could have kicked this girl's ass, but she chose not to. Yeah. Brianna tried to remove herself from the situation and go outside and sit in the passenger seat of a truck mm-hmm. just to wait for, you know, the driver to take her home. Right. Leave the situation. Okay, I'm not fighting you. Right. Kelly actually came out to the truck, opened the door, Punched her in the face several times yeah. while Brianna's sitting in the truck with her seatbelt on. Yeah, she's just sitting there. She broke her nose. Oh. She had two black eyes. She had a bunch of cuts to her face from jewelry and stuff the girl oh. was wearing. Yeah. And she also had a concussion. Yeah. 
So Brianna's family pushed her to file assault charges against Kelly. Yeah. But the charges were actually dropped by the district attorney about three weeks after the disappearance. Yeah. So that was not long. And her parents didn't agree with it. Her parents were trying to fight the district attorney. Like, Mm -hmm. our daughter has disappeared and she got into a fight. Like, don't you think that the charges should remain? Because it, it could be evidence. It could be you know, a conflict leading up to something. Right. But the DA just kind of dropped the charges, so her parents were very frustrated. I I can understand that. Mm -hmm. And there's these pictures of her after she was attacked. Um, It was on one of the blogs that I read, and she had, oh, good shiners, both eyes, really, and she looked out of it. And I think, too, that it really speaks to her character that she knew everybody at the whole party was like, Kelly, why are you picking a fight with Brianna right now of all people? Like, Brianna could destroy you, and she just sat there, yep. and didn't didn't even swing back. Nope. Just sat there and took it, and was like, okay, are you done? <clears throat> That's kind of badass. So that really speaks to her character. Like, she doesn't pick fights, she doesn't right. get involved. She's just a friendly, nice girl. Right. And I think it says a lot that this happened just three weeks before she disappeared. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be discounted. It shouldn't. For sure. Which sounds like the district attorney did discount it, which, again law enforcement but anyway (laughs) so let's talk about the day in question march 19th 2004 um like we said brianna she dropped out of high school but she immediately enrolled in ged school um so on the morning of march 19th she was taking her ged exam so after completing the test she went out to lunch with her mom kelly and her dad bruce would have joined them but he was in new york working Um, so during the lunch, Kelly said that Brianna was in a great mood Mm -hmm. and that she even expressed to her mom that she was hoping to go to college, like part-time college, which is exciting. Um, so clearly she had goals, which I think is important to know. Um, so Kelly and Brianna spent the afternoon running errands and going shopping, which was normal. At one point they were in the checkout line of a store when Kelly noticed that something outside caught Brianna's eye and Brianna immediately left her mom in the line told her she'd be right back, and then she went outside. When Kelly came out of the store after she bought her items, she found Brianna in the parking lot, and she no longer seemed cool and chill. Uh, Kelly said she seemed, quote, unnerved, shaken, and agitated, quote. Which was, what a sudden twist. Yeah. Very bizarre. Um, At this time, Kelly dropped Brianna off at her friend Jillian's house, where she lived, um, between, like, 3.30 and 4, because, uh, Brianna had to work that night at the Black Lantern Inn. Um, unfortunately, this would be the last time that Kelly would ever see her daughter. hmm Which is, it makes you think about these things. Like, you never know when it's gonna be the last time of anything. It's, it really makes you, it's like a very psychological thinking, and it always makes me really sad. And it's really awful because... Brianna's mom wanted to ask her, you know, you seem really upset. What's going on? Did something happen? But she didn't want to pry or be invasive. Yeah. She just wanted to enjoy the time she had with her daughter, Mm -hmm. have a nice day. You know, her daughter just took her GED exam. Right. She didn't want to potentially upset her more by making her more agitated by asking, you know, oh, what happened? Tell me everything. So she just kind of let it be. Yeah. Which I'm sure Brianna appreciated. Mm Mm-hmm. And now at the same time, I'm sure her mom is like, why didn't I ask? For sure. Oh, how should, would she have never, she would have never known. No, that's, right. that's the thing. Right. 
At some point before leaving for her work shift, Brianna left a note for her friend Jillian saying that she would be home after work that night. Mm -hmm. And then she left for work in a car registered to her mom, but it was the car that she drove. Mm -hmm. It was a pale green 1985 Oldsmobile Delta sedan. (laughs) That's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. Cars, man. It's a cool looking car. It is cool. Um, Brianna then worked her full shift. She clocked out of work and left the Black Lantern Inn at approximately 11.20 p.m. Mm-hmm. Her coworkers had invited her to get kind of a late dinner with them, but mm-hmm. she was like, no, I, I appreciate it, but I have to be up early tomorrow morning because she had her shift as a waitress at the diner right. in St. Albans, Vermont. So, mm-hmm. you know, she has to wake up early. She has to go to a second job. She has to commute there. She, yeah. It's already 11.20 at night. Right. She's like, I really just want to get home and go to bed. Yeah, I don't blame her so much. I'd do the same thing. Um, her coworkers did say that they saw her leave alone that night. Um, but unfortunately, the next morning, March 20th, 2004, it was a Saturday, um, a Vermont state trooper was called about a car at an abandoned house. The car was up against the house with its trunk backed up and damaging, like, a window that had been, uh, boarded up with, like, a plank. Um, and it actually turned out that this car was the 1985 Oldsmobile that Brianna drove. Um... And this was actually only a mile from the Black Lantern Inn Mm -hmm. where she left. This was crazy. I mean, we have a picture of this Mm -hmm. exact scene up on our Instagram and our website because when I was first reading about this and doing research, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, someone, maybe there was already a hole in the house that someone just backed into to kind of conceal the car. Right. This car was fully crashed into the house. Like, it was backed in. The siding was destroyed. There's a hole that it made. Yeah. Debris everywhere. Like, it was it was crashed. Oh, yeah. And luckily, her... Well, the car didn't have too much damage to itself. Mm -hmm. But it seemed, like you said, it seemed to do damage a lot to the building. And that was kind of obvious. It was, you know, noted. Um, Inside the car... And I thought this was very interesting... Two paychecks to Brianna, uncashed, unopened, her migraine medication, some clothes, her driver's license, and even her contact lenses. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem like someone who just runs away. You would want your paychecks at the very least. Right. And your contacts so you can see what you're doing. Like, I was going to say, as a contact wearer, (laughs) I need my contacts, you know? Um, Also, this was weird. The car's doors were unlocked and the keys were missing. Um, outside of the car was a broken necklace that was later confirmed to belong to Brianna, Mm -hmm. a water bottle, some loose change, and an unsmoked cigarette. Mm -hmm. They also found a woman's fleece jacket, but this was later determined to not be Brianna's. Right. The state trooper that arrived on the scene, he assumed that the car had just been abandoned by a drunk driver. Yeah. Like, they crashed and they're gonna go walk home and sober up, they'll come back for the car, whatever. It was still drivable. Right. So... The state trooper had a towing company take the vehicle to a local garage. And it's funny because the car contained paychecks, a driver's license, and medication all to Brianna. They assumed it was like a drunk driving incident. So they went to the Black Lantern Inn where the checks were from to check in. But it was closed so they were like, oh, darn it. Oh, darn. And then they didn't look at it again. And what kills me is that the car, as we discussed, is registered to Brianna's mother. Mm -hmm. So you would think that they would give her a call or something. Let her know, hey, we found the car that is under your name that your daughter's driving backed into the side of an abandoned house. Yeah. And if they thought it was a DUI, mm-hmm. um, what if they followed up on that because there was a drunk, someone should be criminally charged for that, right? 
Or where the fuck is the driver? Yes. Did they stumble off in the woods and hurt themselves? Are they in a creek somewhere dead? Like, yeah. can we maybe do some police work? <laughs> like, follow up on... Honestly? I mean, the name of the person driving the car, the checks are right there. Yeah. You can't make a phone call. Like, you're just going to go to the, the place of employment and be like, oh, we have they're closed. Yeah. Shucks. Darn it. Gotta go get my donut. (laughs) It's just like they had all the tools and they didn't use them. And what kills me is that because of this, this state trooper is the only person who's aware of this car. There were a bunch of photographers actually that had passed by and taken pictures. Yes, because of this incident. Those photos are up on our website. You can go view them. But the photographers had called the state trooper. Mm And so by now, this is into the afternoon of the next day. Mm-hmm. We're losing precious time. Yeah. Where is Brianna? Where's the driver of this car? Yeah. You can't just take it to a tow truck company and call it a day. Like, like that's what? not all a day's work. Like, yeah. that's not how it works. Great. great. You did a great job, police officer. So because of this, Brianna wasn't reported missing for several days. And her mom didn't learn that her car was found until five whole ass days after. Five fucking days. Like we've talked about before, like episode 34 with Brian Neisenfeld, Mm -hmm. his parents weren't notified until six days after his disappearance. Yeah. And his dad is like, this is a missing persons case. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that time is of the essence here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very astute of you to observe that. (laughs) Katie is a non-police officer. Very interesting. I know it's not my field, but (laughs) probably not my place. Yeah, I can't tell them how to do their job. (laughs) But seriously, what the fuck? Like, come on. Um, so yeah, you're right. Jillian, the roommate that Brianna lived with, uh, came home from visiting family on Tuesday, March 23rd, saw that this note was still there and that Brianna was not. And that's when she called Kelly and Kelly called friends and family and Mm ex-boyfriends. And that was when it was like, oh shit, where's my daughter? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Kelly went to the police station and was like, my daughter's missing. I need to file a report. And they were like, oh, Brianna Maitland. Oh, hey, Chuck, do you remember there was that car (laughs) backed into a a house? And it looks really suspicious. Yeah. You remember that? What was the girl's name? Oh, Brianna Maitland. Oh, yeah. This is her mom. And her mom was like, what? Yeah, hello, like you found my daughter's car with all of my daughter's belongings still inside and not my daughter and you didn't think to call me? They were like, yeah, five days ago. Wait, five, four? What was that, a Saturday? Five days ago? Yeah. Like, come on! You can't make this shit up. Like, I... God. Yep. Oh my God. So now it's March 25th, Mm -hmm. 2004. It's a Thursday. And Brianna's parents had met with the police that... You know, they gave photo. This was back when you had to, like, physically give photos um, to the police to start an investigation and to, you know, send out flyers and just for them to know. So they did that. And that's, you know, this is now almost a week since she's disappeared. Yeah. They saw the car or the picture of the car. Yeah. That someone had taken that was backed into the house. They immediately identified it as the car Brianna had been driving. Yeah. Kelly, her mother, actually said that she was instinctively revulsed by the photo, and she believes for, she knows for a fact, she's like, I'm fully convinced that someone else had left the car like that, because Brianna wouldn't do that. Right. Why would she trash her car? There's no reason. No. 
She works two jobs. Mm-hmm. She has dreams and goals. Why would she sabotage herself like this? Where would she go? Where would without she, money, where'd she go? Without her contact lenses, without her migraine medication, without... It's just crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, so initially, the Vermont State Police were like, Oh, I don't know. I think she was a runaway. Mm-hmm. And obviously her parents were like, You're kidding me, right? Like, this is a joke? She's not a runaway. She left all this stuff, her medication, her contact lenses, money? Wouldn't you want money if you were going to run away? And the police were saying that she was a runaway because of her, quote, history. Like, she didn't run away from home. Yeah. She left on good terms with her family to Mm -hmm. be more independent. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, well, she was couch hopping on other people's, in other people's houses. Like, yeah. Yeah, no. Because she's 17 and she wants to be independent and she wants to live with her friends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is her choice. She's not running from anything. She just took her GED exam. She wants yeah. to go to community college. She's got a whole life ahead of her. And even if she did run away, um, where'd she go? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can find, find the runaway? Like... Exactly. Oh, she's a runaway, so we don't need to look for her anymore. Because that's our answer. Okay, well, can we maybe, like, just confirm that she's okay? She's also 17. She's like, this 17. is a minor we're talking about. Exactly. Katie, um... I think you're stepping on the police's toes here. <laughs> um, it's really inappropriate of you to suggest that. <laughs> Like, come on. <laughs> what really disturbs me is that several people came forward to report sightings of the car. Yeah. So this abandoned house is called the Old Dutchburn House. And several people actually saw the car at the house or backed into the siding that night. Yeah. Um, one man said that he drove by the house between 11.30 p.m. and 12.30 a.m. And he said that he thought that the car's headlights could have been on, mm-hmm. but he didn't see anybody inside or outside of the car. So he, he thought right. it was weird. He, he noted it mentally, but he just kept going. Mm-hmm. Another man drove by between midnight and 1230 a.m. on that Saturday, the 20th of March. He said he remembered seeing a turn signal flashing on the car. Yeah, that's peculiar. So that's kind of strange. Yeah. Around 4 a.m. on Saturday, March 20th, a former boyfriend of Brianna's actually drove by the abandoned house. He was up in Canada partying, and he was coming back. <laughs> Classic. Um, he thought that he recognized the car. He was like, you know, that looks familiar enough to me, but yeah. he didn't think to go investigate. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. He just wants to go home. Right. But he also said he didn't see anybody inside or around the outside of the car. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning is when a couple passing motorists, they were photographers, mm-hmm. they thought that the scene was so strange that they took photos of it. Yeah. And these were the first people to actually come onto the scene. This yeah. is who called the state trooper to come get a closer look. Right. But everything that was on the floor, the loose change, the water bottle, the necklace next to the car, mm-hmm. that's all what law enforcement found. So nothing right. was misplaced or missing right. or added to the scene. Nobody touched in the between, car. Exactly. In between yeah. those two encounters, nothing changed with the scene. Right, right. And so they, you know, they brought you know police search dogs mm-hmm. helicopters and volunteers but nothing of note was found besides what we already mentioned so that was peculiar very interesting um but now at least it didn't take very long for the police to be like oh maybe it is a little suspicious <laughs> we're gonna start call- they're like twisting their fingers and like looking down all shy <laughs> like i think it maybe is foul play <laughs> Yeah, after, like, a week and a half of this? Like... Yeah. So, now it's officially deemed foul play. Mm-hmm. Her parents put up flyers. Mm-hmm. They follow leads on their own throughout Vermont. They went into New York. Mm-hmm. They went into Quebec. They went into Connecticut. 
they even got a tip from someone in Boston who said mm-hmm. that a sex worker looked like Brianna and it could have been yeah. her. They went all the way down to Boston, yeah. found this woman, and was like, yeah, no, I mean, she bears resemblance to yeah. her daughter, but this is not her daughter. Oh, that's heartbreaking. A month into the investigation, Bruce Maitland, Brianna's father, actually sent a letter to the Vermont governor, James Douglas. He stated that he felt as though the search wasn't aggressive enough, <laughs> and the police were actually keeping him and Kelly in the dark. Oh, my God. Like, purposely not telling them everything. Right. Leaving out some details, not keeping them in the loop with everything completely. Yeah. And their family was pretty close. I mean, just because Brianna moved out Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that their relationship was terminated. Right. I mean, she hung out with her mom and got lunch with her and ran errands that day. Yeah. Exactly. So Bruce Maitland was like, I don't know what's going on, but you're not telling us everything. Yeah. Which I think is a little suspicious. I, I agree. Like, what are they hiding? Um, in 2007, the FBI made a flyer for this case, and they stated that the scene with the car could have been staged to look like a car accident. Okay. They said that it could have been staged so that foul play wasn't the first thing that law enforcement thought of, which, that was effective, it worked. Yeah, it did work. Um, Brianna's parents have also said that if she were abducted, Mm -hmm. it would have had to have been by multiple people because Mm -hmm. she's so good at jujitsu, she could have easily taken somebody. Yeah, just one person. If it's just one person, even if it's a grown-ass man, she could kick his ass. Sure, But if it's more than one person, two-on-one or three-on-one, completely different, that's not fair. Yeah. So her parents feel like it was more than one person that was involved. And I bet you they're probably right. Mm -hmm. And that kind of lines up with a theory that is probably the most widely accepted theory and personally what I think happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of people think that Brianna's disappearance was drug related Mm. Um, in the sense that according to the friends of Brianna, she had recently experimented with hard drugs, um, most notably cocaine. And unfortunately, Montgomery, Vermont, where they were, was known to have some pretty prominent drug activity. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was speculation that Brianna maybe was killed over some drug debt, um, and thus her body was, like, buried, hidden somewhere in an effort to conceal the crime, and then, you know, maybe the car was placed there to look like a accident, like you said, like, that's mm-hmm. a good point. Brianna's family was denying this accusation left and right, and I can understand that, um, because I wouldn't want to admit that my family member or loved one was into drugs, but, um... They said that she did not have, like, a huge part in the drug scene. And this was even after discovering that she had some friends that were drug dealers and drug users. But most notably was a tip that police received that kind of pointed them towards two people. Mm -hmm. And this is why I like this theory, because it seems the most reasonable in the sense that it's not, you're not reaching out a whole bunch of straws. You know, you're not like, well, she one time went to summer camp with this guy (laughs) who ended up being a serial killer. No, no. Right. This is a little different than that. So a week after her disappearance, the police received a tip that claimed that Brianna was being held in a house in Berkshire, Vermont, which was known to be occupied by two drug dealers that it was confirmed that Brianna was an acquaintance with. Mm -hmm. And these two men were Ramon L. Ryans and Nathaniel Charles Jackson, who both came from New York and were up in Vermont. So, on April 15th of 2004, the house was raided, and while police found weed, cocaine, and other drug paraphernalia, Brianna was not there. She wasn't there. It was Mm -hmm. like a false tip. Um, Of course, the two men were like, we haven't seen her, and, you know, we... They said they hadn't seen her since about a week before she disappeared. Right. 
Um, which, I mean, maybe, but they claimed, you know, they kept saying, she's not here. We didn't do anything. We don't know. Mm, I don't know. Because another tip came in. This was fucking weird. Yeah. Very weird. And it implicated, yet again, Ryan's and Jackson in Brianna's murder. Except this anonymous woman this time claimed that the two men had killed Brianna due to an argument um, between Brianna and Ryan's about drug money. Mm-hmm. And the woman claimed that Brianna's body was stored in the basement of another woman's house. Um, then she was dismembered by a table saw and then disposed of at a pig farm. Which that sounds like something out of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, this was later in the year, a little bit after, you know, Brianna disappeared. How many horror movies did this person watch before she decided, let me call this in? Right? Right. Because there was no evidence of this at all. Right. Right. And the police still haven't been able to prove that that was true. No. So. Um, some of Brianna's friends actually ran into Ramon and Nathaniel, and they were like, you guys know that you're the number one suspect in Brianna's (laughs) disappearance, right? And they both were like, you don't know what you're talking about, you can't be saying shit like that. Yeah. You keep that up, I'm gonna make you disappear. Oh, shit. So they're like, um... (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Well, that's crazy. So we touched on it in the beginning, but if you guys remember our first episode, Maura Murray, Mm. her disappearance happened just one month before Brianna's and they, where their cars were found, were only 90 miles apart. Mm -hmm. And it seems like, cannot directly confirm it with Brianna, but both disappearances happened after a car accident. Yes, both happened after a car accident. Maura Murray seemed like she was headed to Vermont when she disappeared. Right. And Brianna's parents actually teamed up with Maura Murray's parents to get the FBI involved in both of their cases. Mm-hmm. The families believe that there could be a connection. Perhaps. I mean, both of their daughters are young. They're brunettes. They're white. Yep, they're white. They're pretty. Their cars suspiciously crash with all right. of their belongings still left inside. Yep. No one knows what happened. Right. But the FBI later said, you know, we don't think that these two are related. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I mm-hmm. don't know if they are. But it is very interesting how close they were. Mm-hmm. The timeline. And that's a really good point. All of their belongings were left behind. And I believe Mora's car was unlocked as well. Yeah. Uh, with the key. Were the keys missing? I can't remember. <sighs> Somebody go back and listen for us. <laughs> Also, because the Maitland family can't catch a break, they reported that they had received several anonymous phone calls from multiple people, and they are telling Brianna's family that she was tied to a tree in the woods, and she had been disposed of at the bottom of a lake. Oh my god. Law enforcement have also not been able to find any evidence to back these claims. Right. But it's really frustrating with cases where someone disappears or someone Mm -hmm. goes missing, or... Why do you feel like you have to harass the family and call them or write them letters or taunt them and be anonymous and say, oh, this is what happened. Your daughter's here. Your daughter's dead. We did this. This person's responsible. Like, can you not harass the family? Like, what kind of sick fuck gets off on calling a grieving family that doesn't know what's going on and feeding them this? I know. I know. Or giving them false hope. Yeah. It's terrible. Awful. In 2006, there was security footage pulled from the Caesars World Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. The footage revealed a young woman who resembled Brianna sitting at a poker table. Hmm. This woman was never actually identified, but Brianna's mom maintains that she does very strong resemblance to her daughter. Yeah. 
but they can't find who this woman is. Yeah. In 2012, law enforcement actually looked into a possible connection between Brianna's disappearance and the serial killer Israel Keys. Oh, that's right. He committed many murders and rapes in Oregon, Washington, Alaska, New York, and actually Vermont. Yep. So he's has a confirmed case mm-hmm. in Vermont. Um, the FBI ruled this out in December of 2012, but it's actually a very popular theory with both Brianna's cases and Maura Murray's, mm-hmm. just because the timeline kind of adds up. He did yeah. have connections to the area. Right. He would plant things in areas and then leave and then return years later. Yeah. He actually made a kill kit that he hid two years before he attacked a couple with it yeah. in Vermont. So he buried this kit, and then he came back two years later, dug up the kit, and went and killed a couple. That's In so... Vermont, in 2011. Right. That's so messed up. In his confessions, he often left out a lot of details. Mm-hmm. He'd say, yeah, I killed somebody in upstate Newark. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't say the age, the gender, the race, right. anything with any kind of description. So he was very vague. Mm-hmm. He also said that he wasn't coming forward with all of his victims. Oh, my God. The FBI thinks he's responsible for at least 12, if not more. Yeah. He committed suicide in his prison cell. hmm Great. Bye. But now we don't have answers. Exactly. <laughs> in March 2016, on the case's 12th anniversary, investigators had revealed to a local TV station that DNA samples had been recovered from Brianna's car. Oh, The results have not been made public, and then in July of 2016, the abandoned house where her car was found was destroyed in a fire. Mm, Interesting. That makes me so mad. Yeah. Because any kind of hope with, oh, the future of technology, the future of DNA, we could go back and find something right now. Nope. Yeah, no, that's it. Nope. Nope. Um, We actually just passed the 18-year anniversary of Brianna's disappearance, and there still are not any answers. Yeah. At the time of her disappearance, she was about five foot three to five foot five in height. She weighed between 105 to 118 pounds. She had brown hair and hazel eyes. She has a faint scar extended from her left eyebrow to her forehead, and her left nostril is pierced. Law enforcement have recently partnered with a company based out of Houston, Texas. They're called Othram. Mm-hmm. This company is a private company. It specializes in forensic testing and DNA. Yeah. So they're they're working on it, hopefully. Man, I hope they find something. Anyone with any information on this case is asked to please call the Vermont State Police at 802-524-5993 or the investigation's official tip line at 802-241-5355. All right. Mm-hmm. It's so similar to Maura Murray. That's what's crazy. Yeah. And the events leading up to it, I have so many questions. Like, yeah. Who was the guy she was talking to at the party? Did the police interview him? Right. Did they Who was the girl? Up with that? Exactly. Yep. Did they interview the girl that beat her ass? Uh huh. How about we go talk to her? Oh, man. What was the woman's police doing at the scene? Whose is who's, it? Yeah. Who's wo- if it's not Brianna's? Whose is it? Right. 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 There's a lot of moving parts, just like with Maura Murray's. Mm-hmm. What happened in the parking lot mm-hmm. that day? Right. At the store with her mom that made her so anxious and upset. Yes. Yeah. What was that about? It'd be good to know. Mm hmm. A lot of unanswered questions. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it's just so frustrating. Like, someone can disappear into thin air and no one's saying anything and no one knows any information. The only way this really differs for me from Maura Murray is that I I think at this point my belief is that maybe Maura Murray died of exposure somewhere. Interesting. But with this case, 
it's not like she was near the woods or right. anything. Where would her body be? You know, it just doesn't seem as likely as it would be. I think both of them were murdered. I definitely, it's looking that way for Brianna, yeah. honestly. I don't think she just ran away. Mm-mm. Does not seem logical. There's a theory that maybe someone was in the back seat of her car, oh, yeah. lying down, mm-hmm. and then went to attack her, and that's why the car went oh, off the road. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's why the turn signal was on when it was backed into the house, because there was a struggle inside the car. Yeah, could be. It's just crazy, but I mean, with both Maura Murray and Brianna Maitland, I feel like both of them are were killed by someone. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see it for Maura Murray as well. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, I know for a fact both of them are not alive. Yeah. Which is the terrible, tragic part. Um, which is why, people, if you know something, you call those numbers that Katie just said because Brianna deserve an- she deserves answers. Her family, too, to have to wait this long. So long. Ugh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So why don't you guys uh, tell us what you think happened? Um, I think there's a lot of really interesting theories out there. Mm-hmm. So I'd be really interested. We'd be really interested to hear what you guys think. So you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrueCrimeNE. All lowercase. And you can send us an email at TrueCrimeNE at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website at TrueCrimeNE.com. Check out our other pages for our cases. Listen to other episodes. We have the links on there. We also have a submission tool where you can send us questions, comments, concerns, cases based in New England, please, that you'd yep. like for us to cover. And you can be anonymous. You don't have to leave your information. But we'd love to hear from you either way. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.